Welcome to the sermon podcast of Redeemer Church. Redeemer Church is located in Fate, Texas, and her mission is to share the gospel, shape disciples, and send missionaries into the surrounding communities and across the globe. We hope that this week's message will bring glory to God by building you up and resulting in you looking more and more like Jesus himself. Uh, as the kiddos kind of make their way, um, I just want to introduce Stan. We have the privilege of uh, hearing from Stan Britton today. Uh, most, some of you probably know Stan personally, but for those that don't know, I just want to give a quick uh, introduction. Uh, Stan uh, Britton, um, uh, he's been a pastor for over 20 years, including the church at Buffalo Creek, which some of you are probably familiar with. Uh, when Redeemer, in the early days, when we didn't have a lot of volunteers, when we would do these truck or treat events, you guys know how labor-intensive those were? And so they would send, us, send a crew to help us grill hot dogs and help with the games, etc. So uh, they've been, they've been, uh, we've been in their um, circles for a while now. Um, so Stan and his crew would come up and help with some of those. Um, Stan is uh, currently a um, licensed real estate agent. He actually also helped play a role in help, helping us acquire the land on 66. So he's been familiar with what God's doing here and the vision of what uh, we have here at Redeemer. So they're very familiar with what's happening here. So that's why we invited him to partic participate in preaching for us uh, as, as Shannon's on sabbatical. Um, uh, Stan is joined by his family this morning, uh, Lauren, his wife, and his kiddos. Uh, they're sitting right, right up here. So let's give him a warm welcome as Stan comes to preach for us. Thanks, brother. Man, it is really great to be with you this morning. Amen. Uh, and it's good to be in the house of the Lord. <clears throat> I just love hearing people sing, don't you? Isn't that just good for your heart? Um, what a great refreshing moment this morning for us to sing to the Lord, to declare his goodness to us and how he has ministered to us, how he's blessed us. Isn't that, isn't that good? I hope that on a cold Sunday morning that's warming to your heart and that it's exciting for you. Um, we're going to be in Psalm 130 today, so I hope you'll find your Bible uh, or your device, however you access the scriptures, and you would turn there as, uh, as we begin our time this morning. Now, you may be familiar with the name Viktor Frankl. Uh, Viktor Frankl was a 20th century Jewish philosopher. I was born in Austria, and uh, as you can imagine, in the uh, middle, 19th, or middle 20th century, it was not a good thing to be a Jew in Austria. And so uh, Viktor Frankl and his family were taken captives and, and they were sent to a concentration camp where his mother and his wife died. And then in 1942, his, him and his remaining family were transferred to the very famous concentration camp of Auschwitz. Uh, ultimately, Viktor was liberated by the Allied forces in 1945 and he returned home to Austria and he wrote a book that has become very, very famous called Man's Search for Meaning. You may be familiar with it. And in that book, he, he uh, gives us some direction that ultimately the why of our life, W-H-Y, the why of our life, determines the how of our life. So where we're going and, and, and how we're going to get there are inextricably linked. And, and I want to challenge you with that thought today because the scriptures are going to tell us that the why of our life ultimately should be hope in the Lord. That the why of our life should be hope in the Lord. And that that hope sustains us. That that hope carries us through. 
And so today, in, in Psalm 130 and 131, we're going to find ourselves in the middle of a section of Psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. Are you guys familiar with that? I know you've been going through the Psalms, so I don't want to tell you, uh, repeat something that you're familiar with. But these Psalms, uh, Psalm 120 to 134, were songs that the children of Israel would sing as they're going up to Jerusalem for the, the annual feasts. And so you, if you go back to Psalm 120, <clears throat> you're going to find uh, themes. You're going to find certain themes of distress. You're going to find uh, themes of lack or themes of, of uh, lament. But they're singing this as they're going up to Jerusalem. And so you're going you're gonna to see Psalm 121. Uh, and unless the Lord builds the house, those that, that build it labor in vain. Uh, you're going you're gonna to read uh, themes like, I was glad, Psalm 122, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. So did you wake up this morning and maybe your spouse said, uh, let's, let's go to church this morning. Was your heart glad when that happened? Yes? Okay. Uh, so you're just singing Psalm 121, that you were glad that we get to gather together and we get to worship together. Um, but you're also going to read things like Psalm 128, how happy is everyone who fears the Lord. Uh, who walks in his ways, you will eat what your hands have worked for, you will be happy, and it will go well with you. Uh, you there's, there's all different kinds of themes through these psalms, but then we come to Psalm 130, and it feels like the tide changes a little bit. It feels like that maybe something has happened here. And we don't know who wrote Psalm 130. Uh, it's one of the anonymous psalms of ascent. But ultimately, uh, there's this theme of hopelessness in Psalm 130. And so find your way there, Psalm 130, verse 1. Listen to what the writer says. He says, Out of the depths I call to you, Lord. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. As you read that, has anybody ever, have you ever felt that way? Like you're crying out to the Lord and it's just stopping at the ceiling. You ever had one of those seasons in your life? Out of the depths I cry to you. You ever had one of those moments? I don't think anybody who's been alive more than five minutes has had uh, those kind of moments in their life where you're calling out to the Lord and you're saying, Lord, I, if you don't show up, it's going to continue to get bad and it's going to get worse right amen you, you there with me okay he says I cry out to you and, and the first thing I want you to see as we think about how hope sustains us how hope in the Lord sustains us is this is that hope is available anywhere and at any time hope is available anywhere and at any time if the psalmist can write out of the depths I cry to you I cry out to you, Lord, Lord, listen to me, be attentive to me, then that means for us that hope in the Lord is available anywhere and at any time. That, that means you don't have to get yourself to a certain place where you can start to hope in the Lord. Amen? It means that you, right now, wherever you are, and there's a lot of us in this room coming from different places in life, and you may go, man, it's going awesome right now. It's exactly like I hoped it would go. It is, it is, things are just great. But you may be coming in today and you may say, listen, man, it's bad. Life is tough. This is not what I thought it was going to be. And I want you to hear me say that hope in the Lord is available both in, in good and in bad, in plenty and in lack. 
today, right now, anywhere and at any time. And so we begin to call out to the Lord like the psalmist, and we say, Lord, out of the depths I call to you, hear me. It feels like I'm far away. It feels like I'm separated. It feels like I have nothing to offer you, which you don't, but you can call out to him and say, I'm crying out to you. Lord, hear my call. You know, most of the time we aren't talking about hope in the Lord when things are going well, right? I mean, when things go well, you're pretty good at taking the credit for that, right? Aren't you? I mean, let's be, it's church, we can be honest. I'm pretty good, when things are going well, when I, you know, I work in real estate, when a big deal closes, it's like, man, I crushed that, right? You, and, and you probably have the same feeling in your work. You get something done, you cross a big goal, you get a promotion, you close a deal, you do something really awesome at your job, and you're like, I am crushing it at this. I am so good. And then things start to turn, and you're like, God, where are you? Right? I mean, I'm not the only one. Okay, I'm, I'm hoping that laughter is agreement. The hope is, is a cry from those who are hurting. Hope is a cry from those who go, man, where do I go now? What am, what am I supposed to do? You know, when, when bills are piling up and there's no end in sight, right? When a gallon of milk costs like $43, and you go through six of them a week because you have four boys, right? Um, like, I, I think I'm going to have to take out a second mortgage or buy a dairy cow. I can't quite figure that out. Or you go to the doctor and, you know, I got a little pain and the, the prognosis is not good. It's something you never would have expected, right? That's when we start to say, Lord, out of the depths I cry for you. Please be attentive. You know, we... We think about hope when the storms of life are raging, when things aren't going like they're supposed to go. And we don't talk a lot about anchors on a boat when we're just cruising along, right? But we talk about anchors a lot when the waves are crashing in around us. And I love that we sang that this morning. My anchor holds within the veil. You know that comes right out of Hebrews chapter 6. That Christ is the great high priest and he has torn the veil top to bottom. And we have, Hebrews 6.19 says, we have this hope that Jesus is a great high priest as the anchor for our souls. Isn't that good? I mean, we, and again, we don't talk about anchors very much when we're just cruising along. We start talking about anchors when things are not going well. And all of these Ideas, when the bills are piling up, when the prognosis is bad, when it's not going well, when I can't figure it out, all of those scenarios are a reflection or an opportunity to reflect on how you will respond. But how you will respond comes out of the why of your life, the hope in the Lord. You know, if you were to draw a straight line in your life from where you are now to one minute after you die, where, where is your anchor? I mean, are you going to get right to the very end and go, okay, Jesus, now? Or is it a daily commitment from now until then to say, Lord, you are my only hope. My only hope. The only hope I have is that Christ is a great Savior. The only hope that I have is that the cross was sufficient to pay for my sins. And I'm banking all of that on a promise that God gave us in His Word. Amen? And all of it right now, you and I have the benefit of living together by faith. 
What Paul says in Galatians 2.20, the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave Himself for me. Amen? And we're living out of that hope. So the psalmist continues. Look at verse 3. Lord, if You kept an account of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? Underline that. Maybe put a star out or if you're on a device, just press and hold it until it turns yellow. Highlight it. Who could stand? And then if you're writing in your Bible, just write out an arrow there and just say nobody. No one. No one could stand if the Lord kept a record of wrongs. That's terrifying. (laughs) At least it should be. That None of us. doesn't matter how good you sing. It doesn't matter how much Scripture you memorize. It doesn't matter how many times you come to church or how much you give or how far you go when you serve on mission. It doesn't matter. If, If God kept a record of wrongs against us, no one could stand up. But, look at verse 4, so good. But, with you, there is forgiveness. If you're writing in your Bible, just underline that out in the margin. Just write AMEN in all caps. You know, underline it, star it, asterisk. But with you, there is forgiveness. Why? So that you may be revered. So that you get the glory. God, I hope in you. I'm banking on you. I'm putting my trust in you. I'm putting my faith in you. I'm giving everything to you. Why? Not so that I can get to heaven when it's all over. So that God can get the glory from my life. Do you see the difference? Super important that we make that distinction. If you're banking on Jesus so that you can go to heaven for your benefit, for your glory, for your gain, you're you're about two steps down the ladder. In reality, the fullness of God is His glory. The fullness of a relationship with God is not just so that you can get to heaven, it's so that God can continue to be revered for redeeming the dead souls of men. Amen? You see the difference? It's so, y'all can talk. It's okay. All right? We can say amen. We can get excited. It's cold outside. Rather than doing jumping jacks, we'll just have a conversation here. Okay? It, but it's good, and, and I want you to see that if hope is available, if hope in the Lord is available anywhere and at any time, the second part of that is this. The foundation of our hope is right relationship with God. The foundation of our hope, the foundation of our hope in the Lord is right relationship with Him. And it's something that He gives to us. It's something that He makes possible. It's something that He does for us. And you and I get the benefit of receiving that gift and coming into fellowship fully forgiven, fully free, and fully focused on His glory for forever. So the psalmist points this out that the, the reason that we are in our hopeless state the reason that we feel distant from Him, out of the depths I cry from you, uh, out to you, the reason for all of this is because of a broken relationship. And think about the context for how, why he's writing this. The children of Israel are on their way back up to Jerusalem to make sacrifice, the annual feast to make sacrifice for their sin. This is a moment where all of their sins are going to be laid on a sacrifice and then it's going to be sent away in the hopes that it will forgive the conscience. In the hopes that that they will forget their sin for a minute. But guess what? Next year, they're going to come right back up to Jerusalem singing the same songs to make the same sacrifices to remember how terrible and distant and far from God they are. That sounds amazing, doesn't it? (laughs) No. No. That's awful. 
But this, even the psalmist in the Old Testament says that the way I can hope in you is because of a right relationship with you. This is the gospel, even in the Old Testament. But with you there is forgiveness so that you may get the glory. That's, that's a gospel presentation in the Old Testament. That's a gospel presentation. That's the good news of Jesus about 1,700 years before there was Jesus. That's the beauty of the Gospel, right? That we get to celebrate the work of Christ on every page of Scripture. Even when it looks like He's nowhere to be found. But right there He says, there's forgiveness so that you may be revered. And the Gospel is this. And I know your pastor and I know your elders and so I know you know this. The Gospel is that God loves us so much that He sent Jesus Christ to die for us. Amen? No work of our own. A gift that He gives us that we receive so that we can come into right relationship with Him. And if you're here today and there's never been a time in your life that you have taken hold of that gift, you have received the gift that He's offered to you, why not today? You're not here by accident. You're not here because you happened to decide to get up and come to church this morning. You're here because God ordained every day of your life before a single one of them came to you that you would be sitting in the seat you're in, listening to my voice at 11, 12 a.m. on October 29, 2023, that Jesus is beckoning your heart. And He wants you. And He loves you so much that He died for you. And every one of us, if, if you've been walking with God for 50 years or for five days, every one of us ought to, to weep at the goodness of God, that He loves us, and that He sent Christ to die for us. And we call out to Him, we say, Lord, I feel so far from You, I feel so broken, I feel so helpless, but You love me so much that You put Christ on the cross so that I can have a relationship with You. Glory to God! Glory to God for raising me from the dead so that I can have relationship with you. But the thrust of Psalm 130 is in the next few words. Listen to what the psalmist says in verse 5. He says, I will wait for the Lord. I wait and put my hope in His Word. When you and I are saying, I live by faith, like the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. We're banking on God keeping His promises. We're banking on everything in this book coming true. And so far, guess what? God is batting a thousand. He, he doesn't go 0 for 5 in the World Series in Game 2 for no apparent reason. He, that's a whole other story. He, he's batting a thousand. He hasn't missed a single promise. He hasn't missed a single prophecy. He hasn't missed a single promise. He's batting a thousand. And so when the psalmist tells us in Psalm 130, when he says, I will wait for the Lord, I will put my hope in the Lord and in His Word, you and I do very well living on the same side of eternity to do the same. To put our hope in the Lord and in His Word. God, I am, I am hoping, I am trusting, I am putting faith that You are going to keep Your Word. And let's be honest, that's all we have. That's all we, we are living by faith, trusting that God, the Word that He inspired, the Word that's sitting in front of you, 
is going to come true. It's going to be true, and the things that are not yet come will come true. Does that make sense? And that's what we have. I want you to think about something for a minute. If you were to close your Bible today after service, and you go home and you put it on a shelf, and if the Lord tarries, you walk away for 20 years. And maybe you're cleaning out your house to move in two decades, and you come across that Bible and you open it up. You're going to find the same words in 20 years as what you read today. If you were to rewind a thousand years, if you were to rewind nearly 2,000 years, if you lived in the first century when this was being written, the New Testament, and, and, and then the, in the thousands of years prior when the Old Testament's being inspired and written, it says the same thing then as it does now. If you walked away from the Lord for 20 years and if He tarried and you, you went and did your thing and you come back and you open that Word, guess what Psalm 130 verse 5 is going to say? I will wait for you. I will put my hope in you and I will put my hope in your Word. These promises are true because the One who wrote them is true these promises are worth our hope because the one who made them to us is full of glory and is worth our hope he's worth trusting so the psalmist says if we needed a picture because i don't know about you but i i like illustrations i kind of prefer picture books over word books anybody else okay um listen to what he says verse six I wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. And then in case you didn't get it, he says it again. More than watchmen for the morning. Any teachers in the room? When you say something more than once in your classroom, what does that mean? It's pretty important, right? Like this is going to be on the test, right? Like a watchman for the morning. That, that would be a very um, strenuous but cool job, I think. So let's just say, for the sake of argument, the sake of illustration, that you know, tomorrow night at the city council meeting, the Fate City Council decides to build a wall around the city. Okay? And they build a big wall. They're afraid maybe Rockwall's going to invade or Roy City's going to invade or Caddo Mills is going to invade um, or some developer's going to invade. That's a whole other story. But we're going to put a wall around the city, right? And we're going to have people stationed on that wall for shifts throughout the day and they're going to be on the corners and they're going to be at the gates and they're they're going to be keeping an eye out for the safety and the welfare of our citizens that's their job and so those watchmen are on the wall and they're looking out and their job is to sound the alarm if anything comes against the safety and the welfare of our citizens right but imagine for a minute the guys who get the graveyard shift like, your job is to stay awake and watch the walls for the safety and the welfare of the citizens all night long. Now, I don't know about you, but on a night like last night where it's cold, where's the one place I don't want to be, right? On the wall, watching for threats against the safety and welfare of our citizens. That's the picture. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Like, more than, man, I just want that shift to be over right? I just, because the minute that that sun comes up, guess what? 
I'm off. That's how they would time it out, is the, the minute the sun peeks over the horizon, I'm off. I mean, think about the last 30 minutes when you're like, it's never going to come up. It's, it's, that's never going to happen. You're on the 7 to 7 shift, and 6.30 to 7 to 6.59 is taking forever. More than watchmen wait for the morning. What an important job, though. I mean, think about if, if you could be a chameleon for a second and put your eyes on two things at once. You're like, I'm watching for the horizon, but I still got to watch out for the safety and welfare of the citizens, right? Now think, now put yourself in just a singular individual role. You and I are doing the same. We are waiting on the return of Christ because that's when all of faith and all of hope will be sight that His promises are true, that He's come back to redeem us, He's come back to ransom us, and He's taking us to where He's promised that He would take us. We're waiting for that moment, but we're living life day by day, trusting and hoping and placing faith in the promises that He's given us. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'll be there soon. It's probably going to get worse before it gets better. The night's going to get dark, but the sun is coming. The night's almost over, but morning is almost here. I mean, I don't know about you, but especially, and Stanley's prayer was perfect, talking about the conflict in the Middle East, and we think about what's going on in the world, and it just seems like things are getting worse. Amen? Like, this is not, not your mom's world. Not your grandma's world. And I don't know about you, but my heart gets uneasy in that. Because I kind of I like this. Kind of like where we live. Kind of like what we do. Kind of like the day-to-day of it. But my heart's not home. Amen? And so I'm, I'm watching and waiting for the morning. Like I'm ready for the night to be over. I'm waiting for the sun to come up. But I'm also waiting for the sun to come back. Amen? And there's hope in that. There's hope in that. So he goes on in verse 7, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for there is faithful love with the Lord. Again, underline, box it, put a star by it, push and hold it till it turns yellow. There is faithful love with the Lord, and with Him is redemption in abundance. Abundance. And He will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Lord, redeem us so that we don't have to keep coming back here every year offering sacrifices that will never cleanse our consciences. That's not from me. That's from Hebrews 9. The blood blood of bulls and goats can never cleanse the conscience. will never take away sin. the people of Israel were always missing the mark. God takes Moses to the top of the mountain, gives him the Ten Commandments. When Moses comes back down, the people have decided to melt all their jewelry into a golden calf because they got bored. He gives them the law, just do these things and you'll be fine, and they can't do those things. He tells Moses, go speak to the rock and I'll give you water. And Moses gets mad and strikes it because he was probably like a dad who was tired of everybody asking him to pull over and get something to drink. Right? I mean, I know there's forgiveness with the Lord, but Lord, tell us the whole story here. I think there's more to this. But all the time, God's saying, hey, do this. And they do this and something else. Or they miss the mark. Or they come up short. And, and it's no different for us. I mean, we have Israel as a picture of our own lives, right? 
can't point at them and go, why can't you figure it out? Because God is pointing at us going, why can't you figure it out? Right? They were constantly missing the mark. All they had to do was listen and obey. All they had to do was trust that God says, I'm coming to take care of you. I'm going to do this. I'm keeping my promise. I'm faithful. I'm true. I'm just. I'll redeem you. I'll do this. And we're saying, Lord, hold on a minute. Let me go try my plan for just a second, and I'll get back to you. All right? Anybody? Am I the only one? Okay. Let me, I'm just, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to try this for a minute. If it doesn't work, I'll come back. And God's going, it's not going to work. Let me just save you. Let me save you the heartache. Let me save you the trouble. Let me save you all of the pain and distress. And we're just looking for that moment. We're like watchmen on the wall, and we're saying, Lord, help us to look out for those around us. Help us to look out and see your promises as they're coming true. But Lord, help us to look out for the coming king, the returning king. And as an aside to this, I want you to see that our hope is not in fixing what's broken in the world. Our hope is ultimately in the redemption of all things. I don't want God to make a few things right. I want him to make all things right. I don't want God to keep a couple of his promises. I want him to keep all of them. Because we have the benefit of the end of the story, right? Our hope ultimately is the redemption of all things because it will mean we're being relieved from our shift as watchmen on the wall. It'll mean that we're finally, truly home. And that's our hope. Let's turn the page into Psalm 131. I want to show you a couple more things and then we'll be finished. Verse 1, and this is a psalm of David. Uh, it's attributed to him there in the subtitle you can see. It says, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I do not get involved with things too great or too wondrous for me. Instead, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like a weaned child. Israel, Put your hope in the Lord both now and forever. I want you to think for a minute that we can't bootstrap hope. I can't just, you know, muster up a little bit more. Because hope is not ultimately contingent on me. My, my hope is me saying, Lord, I know you're worth it. I know your word is worth it. I know your promises are worth it. And so, I'm going to give all of my hope to you. I'm not, I'm not trying to generate it or manufacture it on my own. I'm banking on the goodness of God to keep His Word and keep His promises. And that's what David's saying. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't get involved with things that are too great or too wondrous for me. This is not about me manufacturing this hope. This is about me saying, I messed it up. And I'm trusting the Lord to make it right. I'm sitting on the wall in the dark and I'm waiting on you to make the sun come up. Does that make sense? Like you see our part in that and God's part in that? He, he's going to make the sun come up. He's going to make the sun come back. And you and I can't bootstrap that. That ultimately, our hope means being secure in the Lord and in His promises. Hope means being secure in the Lord and in His promises. This isn't about me. 
This isn't about what I'm going to get out of this. This is me simply saying, Lord, I'm trusting You for everything. Trusting You for everything. I'm trusting You to make sense of this. I'm trusting You to get me through that diagnosis. I'm trusting You to help me figure out how I'm going to pay all the bills when there's more bills than there are paychecks. I'm trusting You to help, help me figure out my marriage. I'm, help, I'm trusting You to help me figure out my kids. I'm trusting You to help me figure out my job. I'm trusting You to help me make sense of all of this. Hope is being secure in the Lord and His promises. And, and look, you, you may have come in today, and, and I know a few of you, but not all of you, but you may have come in today and you may say, hey, let's, let's give this church thing a try. Maybe that's you. And there's no shame in that. Please hear me say, there is no shame if you've come to the end of your rope and you got up this morning and you said, hey, I, I haven't been in forever. I haven't been since I was a kid. I went with my grandma when I was little, but I'm going to give this church thing a try. I want you to hear me say, you are exactly where you are supposed to be. Because what you need to know is that you have come to the end of yourself, praise God for that, and He has put you exactly where He needs you to be so that He can show you, I'm here. I'm here. My word is true, and my promises are faithful, and I've got you. And there is no shame in that. There may be a wake of destruction behind that decision to give this church thing a try this morning. And that's okay. Hear, hear me say that. And I know that, that you're safe here because I know your pastor and I know your elders and I know you are exactly the, the person. You are exactly the man or the woman that this church exists for. Because all of us at one point or, or another have said, man, I, I, I don't have anything else. I have nothing to give. I have nothing to bring. I've messed it all up. And I'm here to tell you today, you are exactly where you're supposed to be. To be reminded that the only hope we have is hope in the Lord and in His promises. But the second thing I want you to see is, or the next thing I want you to see is this. He says, instead, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like a weaned child. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and and forever. Hope in God is a daily exercise. It's a daily exercise. <clears throat> because it's easy for you and I to get up and go, it's going fine. Right? You might have walked in this morning and somebody said, hey, how are you doing? And you're like, I'm good. And inside you're going, liar. Right? How are you? Fine. How are you? Good. How's it going? Okay. And in your heart, your, your brain and your heart are screaming, no, it's not. It's falling apart. Because remember, hope, hope is only for the people who are far from God and distressed and don't need anything. Everybody else has got it figured out. Right? Wrong. Hope's for everybody. And it's a daily exercise. Hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Hope in the Lord now, today, this minute, this moment, and forever, even when it's going well. Because when it's going well, you're just moments away from messing it up. Right? Right? I mean, let's be honest. I'm moments away from making a mess of what God's put together. And so hope in God, hope in His promises, hope in His Word. 
now and forevermore. I love, I love the picture. He says like a weaned child. Interestingly, he doesn't say like a weaning child, like one that is learning to move away, but one that has moved away from breastfeeding, but still trusting its mother to provide everything that it needs. I mean, think about that picture. Like we're moving into stages of, of independence, but we're still trusting mom, we're still trusting the Lord to mother and to provide for us now and forever. Don't ever get away from that feeling, that, that notion, that idea that you need God to provide everything that you have and everything that you need. Because hope in God is a daily exercise. I want to show you something out of the New Testament just because it makes... Uh, we, we have great benefit of living when we live and where we live. Look at Romans chapter 5. Just flip over basically to the other half of your Bible in Romans 5. And it's good for us to look at this through the lens of Jesus because the Old Testament, we know they didn't have the full revelation of Christ. They didn't have the full hope of Christ. And so you and I can look back through the lens of Jesus and hopefully it will solidify this, this hope that we're talking about. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. He says, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Since we have faith, we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We're in right relationship with Him. We have also obtained access through Him, through Jesus, by faith, into this grace in which we stand and which we rejoice. And then here it is, in the hope of of the glory of God. How are you saved? By grace, through faith, for the glory of God. Why were you saved? For the glory of God. How are you saved? Every day, for the glory of God, right? And he says, we're, we're standing in this grace, we're rejoicing in this grace, we're rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we rejoice in our afflictions. Hold on. Wait a minute. Paul's telling us to rejoice in suffering, rejoice in affliction. There's a whole other sermon in that. I won't bore you. The timer says I only have three and a half minutes left. But there's a whole other sermon in that. So we're rejoicing in the fact that God has saved us by faith, uh, by grace through faith, and He's given us the hope of His glory for all things, but also we're rejoicing in our afflictions. We're rejoicing that we are suffering and that we have messed it up. And can I say as an aside very briefly that we, especially as Western Christians, need to understand and learn how to get good at suffering. Okay? Again, whole other sermon. Hopefully, maybe we'll be together again another time and I can preach that one. But we need to learn how to get good at suffering. Because what's happening in the Middle East, spoiler alert, is going to happen around the world. And if Jesus tarries, we get to be part of that. Okay? So we better learn how to rejoice in afflictions. I know that's scary. I know that's not the you know, little Jesus storybook Bible that we grew up with. Right? But it's the truth. We rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. Suffering. Hope. Affliction, hope. This hope 
will not disappoint us. This hope won't put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Here's something I want you to think about. God loves you because of Jesus. Because of His death on the cross, His love was poured out to all of us. And you and I have, have an opportunity to respond to that love each and every day. Whether you are walking with Jesus and you had time in, with Him in the Word this morning, or you're saying we're giving this church thing a try because the rest of my life's a wreck. God loves you. He sent Jesus Christ to die for you. He paid for your sins. He paid for my sins so that we can have right relationship with Him. He loves you because of Jesus. He will keep His Word because He can't deny Himself. God has given His promises and He will remain faithful and true to Himself and to His character, so He'll keep His Word. And His Spirit will remind us daily. His Spirit will remind us daily, you are loved, my promises are true. My word is faithful. You can put your hope in me. Okay? So when you go out of here today, we get an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes together, and we get to spend some time worshiping and thanking the Lord and spending time in good company with other brothers and sisters. But you've still got to go back to life, right? God loves you because of Jesus. He will keep His word because He can't deny Himself, and His Spirit will remind you of that every single day to put your hope in Him and Him alone. Because hope is available at any time and any place. Because the foundation of our hope is a right relationship with God and no place else. That hope in the Lord, our hope is secured in the Lord and in His Word. And I'm just trusting Him to keep His Word. I'm trusting God to be who He says He is. And it's a daily exercise for us. Hope is a daily exercise for us. I'm going to ask the worship leaders to come back up. and um, I just want to have just a couple of minutes of some reflection. I want to give you some questions to maybe write down or snap a picture of as they come up on the screen because this is something we need to think about not just for an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes here, but I want you to think about it as you leave here today. I want you to think about where your hope is because, guys, it's so easy for us to put hope in other things. It's so easy for us to put hope in other things that can, that can turn in a moment. When where our hope is truly supposed to be is in the unchanging, proven, faithful character and promises of God. Amen? This is what we need. This is what we need. So I'll begin with this question. Have you placed your hope and trust in God alone? Are you in right relationship with Jesus? And you may say, yes, and I'm, I, I've got that nailed down. I know, great, awesome. That's a great spot. You, you may have read that question, and you may go, hmm, I don't know. Look, everything else we're talking about, until that's nailed down, everything else is going to be fleeting. It's going to be like vapor in your hand. Until you call out to Him and say, Jesus, I have nothing. You are everything. You have paid for my sin. You have brought me into right relationship. And I trust you with everything I am and everything I have. Have you placed hope and trust in God alone? Are you in right relationship with Him? Second question is this. How are you trusting the Lord and trusting His promises? How is your hope secured in the Lord and His promises? It may mean sitting down and 
reading some scripture that you've that you've read in the past or maybe you have memorized and just going and putting your eyes on it again and saying Lord I believe that that's true it may mean trying to find a regular rhythm in the word of God through a Bible study here at Redeemer or meeting with a home group or a life group just getting around people who are trusting and walking in the same world that you're walking in and putting their hope and trust in the word of God and his promises and then here's an action question for you What will you do daily to practice hoping in God? What will you do daily? You know, it may be just turning the radio off when you're on your commute. Of course, I don't know. Traffic may distract you from that. But it may be turning the radio up and listening to the promises of God in song, singing those out. It may be sitting on the back patio, drinking a cup of coffee, watching the sun come up and saying, Lord, that's you. You did that the same God who brings the sun up who puts the stars in the skies and calls them by name numbers the hairs on your head and knows every day of your life before one of them came to you what will you do daily to practice hoping in God probably not reading the newspaper probably not scrolling social media but quiet your heart before the Lord and practice hoping God. And the last one is this, and this is for all of us. In light of what you've heard today, do you need to repent? Do you need to turn to God? Say, Lord, I, I mean, yeah, I've got my eyes on you, but I'm, I'm kind of stacking things over here just in case it doesn't work out. I would challenge you, just repent. Lord, you are my hope. You are my 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 faithful Father, my good Father who loves me. When it comes to hoping in the Lord and hoping in His promises, there is no plan B. There is no plan B. You are it. Lord, you are everything I have. I'm giving you all of it. Putting my hope and my faith and my trust in you. And one day, maybe not too long from now, We'll be like watchmen on the wall. We may be looking for danger, but the sun's going to come. The Redeemer is going to come. He's going to gather those who have hoped in Him. And it may be shattered pieces of a life that you go, Lord, this is it. This is all I have left. And He says, perfect. Come on in. That's the day that we're hoping in. Amen? That's why we sing. That's why we trust. Because His Word has told us there's a day coming that I will redeem you. I will come and get you so that where I am, you can be also. Amen? Church, that's the Word for us today. Let's pray. Father, You are good. Your Word is good. And Your promises are true faithful and exactly what we need in every moment Lord thank you for this body that's gathered here today for this congregation I pray Lord that they would sense your presence that we would sense your presence in a real way and that you would move and work in us for our good and for your glory Lord and teach us that even with broken pieces you redeem and you restore 
and your word has made it so. And that you are a good God who is worth our hope. We love you and we praise you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's stand together. Let's respond and sing. I'll be standing in the back. I'd love to pray with you. God's moving in your heart, uh, how we can continue to respond to him. Let's do that together. Hey, this is Pastor Shannon, and I want to thank you for tuning in today. I trust that the Lord has spoken to you through his word. And if you don't know Jesus as your savior, I invite you to trust him today. If you have questions about what that means, reach out to us through our website, RedeemerRC.com, and one of our pastors will be in touch. In addition, if you would like to partner with Redeemer in her mission to share, shape, and send, you can support our ministry by visiting RedeemerRC.com forward slash give. Now, this podcast is not intended to replace your active participation in the life of a local church, but tune in next week as we continue to lift high the name of Jesus through every paragraph, passage, and page of the Bible.